Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody, welcome to the binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest streaming releases. I am Jason LeBroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we have five movies for you All In the Fight for Democracy, The, the Trial of the Chicago Seven, The Glorias, Cuties, and The 40 Year Old Version. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And Send It Back means... The pandemic is too short for that mess. Although, stretch on, it seems to do. And it will continue, it seems. It seems, it, it seem. seems. <laughs> it does. Sure does. Sure does. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. Uh, guys, uh, in our last episode, we promised that we would be taping one more episode of this show in the old space in my apartment in San Francisco, where the show was born. Um, but alas, that did not happen because, and I know this is going to come as a surprise, um, but it turns out Game Ready to Move is time consuming. Um, it's consuming of time. It's consuming of energy it's consuming of sanity all of the above um just kind of go all into the move and so i did not have time to tape another episode of the show in that old space um and so dear listener i am now coming to you from my new home in los angeles that is where I am now. I'm actually still nonetheless sitting at the kitchen table where mm-hmm. we taped the very first episodes of the show because uh-huh. the kitchen table is now our dining room table until we get new furniture. Uh, so, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, but we are now officially a dual uh, city. I guess we already were, but, you know, we're officially, we're officially now a SoCal-NorCal hybrid podcast. Rebecca, how do you feel about that? Let the culture war begin. <laughs> there's not enough culture war <laughs> we need to make it a little bit more local i'm going to commit to only wearing hoodies um and you can wear tank tops all day long i mean that is what i've been doing so uh have you so oh yeah yeah um i mean why wouldn't i i'm just i'm just sitting around the house and uh in the running around the house in a warm climate why not wear a tank top i'm not mm. fighting it I'm embracing it, but uh, but yeah. So that's that's when you know that's kind of what's up with me. Not that you asked, but uh, <laughs> you remember you caught that. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I am here uh, as we record this. I am uh, two weeks and change into my new life in my house in L.A. And um, and guys, let me tell you, um, it's hard. <laughs> This whole thing is very hard. It's very difficult. Moving into a new house is very difficult. Um, What no one tells you is how absolutely bone-chilling, terrifying it is the first time you walk into a a house after you've purchased it, and it's just sitting there empty. Um, And you feel the entire weight of the commitment you've made just settle into your bones. Um, And then you stop sleeping. So that's pretty Mm. much... Yeah, that's something they don't tell you. That's something that's, they, don't, they don't show you that in the movies. They just show you, you know, people standing in empty rooms happily repainting in overalls. And and let me tell you, not none of that has happened. <laughs> not 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 a bit of that. So uh, you know, it's been an uphill battle, but we are here. And um, and uh, the audio might sound different on my end because I'm sitting in a much more open space. Because as Marriage Story taught us, L.A. has space. <laughs> Have you pounded into the walls yet? <laughs> Not yet. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, fortunately, there were already a bunch of nails left in the walls. Um, and so, <laughs> so I was able to sort of just hang all my little, my little Fillmore posters on those and not do any of my own actual wall pounding. Um, but, yeah, we're excited to, uh, to get this going and to officially uh, commence uh, Operation NorCal SoCal Pod. Um, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, that's what's up with me, Rebecca. What is up with you? 
not too much. Um, I think in the movies that in, in the weeks that we we weren't doing the show, and instead of watching movies, uh, one thing I've been watching is The Vow. Are you watching that? You know, I haven't watched it yet. It's 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 in my queue. Um, I I certainly intend to. I'm so I'm behind on many many true crime docu series. I haven't even watched McMillions yet. I'm very behind. Let me tell you, don't start. <laughs> no, don't Why? start. No. Because you, it, it is, um, it is much like a cult in that uh, you come into it with the promise of something, and it just keeps stringing you along the whole time, and um, it's just, it's not worth it. Uh, we just oh, got wow. news that there's going to be a second season, which part of me is relieved that they're, like, I keep hoping they're going to go into something uh, that's a little bit more about um, facts and a little bit less about the story of the the dolts that got caught up into it, but it's just a story of the dolts um, <laughs> who got caught up into it. And now I'm in and I can't get out and I have to keep watching. And it is a very meta experience that I now feel like I'm stuck watching the show. And I, if you haven't seen it, just don't start. I think there's no, like I'm... one of those like um, uh, store, like a mini series on cults on Hulu that just like sums up the whole thing in a half an hour. Just watch that and be done with it. You know, I was wondering why I'd seen you booking joint interviews with India Oxenberg to both talk talk about kind of what has happened to you as a result of your exposure to this cult. So that does that does make more sense now. And Mm -hmm. isn't there a whole separate show about this this cult, about the Val cult that's like kicking off right as this one ends? Um, There there could be. Um, I don't know. I it's (laughs) just and, you know, when you know, like in real life where things are, uh, like criminal justice wise and there's still so much ambiguity there that I I think it's just at this point I know enough to just catch up with the news as it comes out. <laughs> I cannot stand I, I cannot stand more more footage of, of these people. I just can't do it. Wow. Do it. Wow. That's interesting. Um yeah, I know. I mean Scott was interested because he watched Roswell um, <laughs> when the back when it was on, and isn't isn't one of like the ringleaders of this whole thing? Wasn't she an actress on Roswell? Um, Allison Mack. Yeah, uh, she was on the Superman show. Um, is that Roswell? Um, I think it might be a different thing. Um, but either way, yeah, he watched whatever she was on, and so he is he has been very uneasy with uh, knowing that this television personality that he was so invested in. Um, Got mixed up in this whole thing. Oh, Smallville. Thing. That's the show. Smallville. See, I always confuse Smallville and Roswell because... Double L. They, because they sound similar. God damn it. <laughs> um, yes, Smallville, not Roswell. Um, so, yeah. Wow, interesting. I mean, I feel like I might still try watching it. Um, uh. <laughs> but, I mean, I won't prioritize it. But I feel like right now it's very in the zeitgeist. I feel like everywhere I turn, it seems to have really caught on. Um, if, I feel but like that, the first Again, weeks... that's how it gets you. Like, I promise <laughs> if you sit it out, something else will come. You'll catch up with that one. It's just, it's, it just takes a tiny bit of, of discipline to be like, you know what, I'll catch up on the next thing. I, this one's not for me. <laughs> just trust me. It isn't so not going to be worth it. All right, all right. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna and listen. And you're already like you're already too far out of the zeitgeist where it's not like you can go see the funny tweets about that episode that week, which I feel like is a was a is something that Twitter needs. Like, mm. I'm watching a show right now that came out a long time ago. Um, I mean, like a couple of years ago, and I wish I could ha- see the like, you know, like the Vulture recap and the, <laughs> the funny <laughs> tweets about it, like in mm. real time. But I can't. Yeah. And there's like no way to search for like. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1, Episode 3, Twitter <laughs> commentary. You dear, dear thing. Is that what you're watching? You know what? Marvel is, is, has become... Remember? What, I didn't watch any of the movies. Marvel oh, yeah. has become um, my, myself in the, in the times when things get the worst. This is fantastic. I love mm-hmm. that it's... I mean, what, a, what an arc. What an arc you've been on with Marvel. I'm sure mm-hmm. our listeners will be excited to hear that. So it's not just like absolutely insipid stupid comedies like the binge and eurovision that's getting you through this it's also marvel mm-hmm. we just recently watched uh infinity war with the director's commentary <laughs> wow i have yeah. not done that uh i am all in uh on the marvel universe, <laughs> universe incredible and the turning point was thorough ragnarok wasn't it that was the one yeah i went to go see it begrudgingly and my mm-hmm. life was changed and i actually just saw that uh the cast of the avengers is doing um a like a biden q 
Q&A meet and greet type thing uh, this week. And uh, and will Chris Evans be a part of that? Yes, but Chris Pratt <laughs> will not because apparently he's a mega guy. Ooh, yep, yep. I mean, he, that, yep, we, we know this. We know Chris Pratt is a conservative Christian Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it goes against every ounce of his energy on screen, but, uh, and the fact that he grew up as like a stoner in Hawaii, um, but it helps make sense of the divorce from Anna Ferris mm, because mm. I think she, she probably is sane. So challenging stuff, challenging mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I just wondered if they would like disinvite Chris Evans from it because of his recent controversy. Um, but, uh, it'd be great if they just, we're penis positive and we're like, no, of course. Like we, we're not going to just start turning people away because they have penises. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we, we welcome that here at the, at the, at the Biden Harris campaign. Uh, wow. he's, he's definitely there. It's Chris Evans, Don Cheadle, Scarlett Johansson, Paul Rudd, Mark Ruffalo, Zoe Saldana. Love it. They're going to sit Love down it. with Kamala Harris and, Ooh. uh, the Russo brothers for Q and a and trivia. Ooh, trivia. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god you must be excited you i am excited for this um also Fantastic. what you see on on disney plus when you get the the mm-hmm. uh <laughs> all of the like li- there are all these like little snippets that they did these like outtakes and shorts uh with like taika watiti and like um chris hemsworth obviously and uh oh my god i can't think of oh, jeff goldblum with ah. <laughs> it's <laughs> delightful delightful that's fantastic and now are you excited for wandavision i am i am excited for wandavision um i didn't i still kind of don't understand at all what it's going to be but uh, i don't think anybody does so that's exciting Mm. no i mean it's a real it's a real trip that teaser (laughs) don't have even the beginnings (laughs) of 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 a grasp on how the relationship between uh, those two has become an I Love Lucy style sitcom, but I, I, I'm here for it. And uh, it has Catherine Hahn in it. And Catherine Hahn, who makes everything better, just scientifically. So, <laughs> Okay, enough about TV stuff. shows and movies that came out a long time ago. Let's move on <laughs> to this week's movies. Yes, let's. And let's start off with All In, The Fight for Democracy. Filmmakers Liz Garbus and Lisa Cortez examine the history of voter suppression and the activists who fight for the rights of U.S. citizens. So I figured <laughs> we'd start with this one uh, because, uh, you know, reasons. Uh, you know, as we tape this, it is October 18th. Uh, hopefully this, this podcast will see a light of day prior to the election and you will hear us <laughs> and you will hear our encouragement to... Go out and vote, um, and to um, particularly to watch this movie if you live in perhaps a more rural or conservative area, um, or a state that tends to be more red run, um, because there's a very good chance that you will be directly targeted by voter suppression efforts, uh, which are detailed uh, to to great uh, detail <laughs> uh, in this documentary. Indeed. Um, I think that this is, um, you know, part of a set of movies that have come out in or not come out or have like been kind of recurated uh, over the past six months as as different things have um, caused the nation to revisit institutional uh, racism, police violence, uh, American history. And this is kind of, uh, you know, really relevant, obviously, and uh, just another piece in the puzzle to explain the whole, uh, you know, picture of um, inequality and disenfranchisement. And there was something actually in this movie that I thought was really interesting uh, when they talked about some of the, uh, I think it was called the Black Code, some of the laws that made it illegal to loiter and uh, mm-hmm. to, to trap people in, in, the, um, in, the jail, in the jail system, prison system. And I was like, oh, that would have been really relevant in, in I think, like, the 13th. So uh, yeah. they, these kind of, like, all fit together um, as part of a, you know, a set of movies to educate the American people about, um, you know, why things are the way they are, how systems exist on purpose, they're intentional, and mm-hmm. uh, whatever we experience has, is, is there because it wants us to do something or to not do something. Um, and it's important that we know that. And we've been in the dark, I think, 
too long. Our education system is obviously uh, either really not equipped or, you know, it's also part of the system that our education system doesn't, doesn't teach us these things. Right. Right. Yeah, I definitely had sort of um, echoes emotionally uh, watching this of what I felt uh, after watching the fight, the ACLU documentary we reviewed a few uh, weeks ago. Um, just in terms of just the the complete uh, outrage, um, you know, that I that I felt watching it, uh, because this is not a thing. Voter suppression is not a thing that is enacted by both sides. Mm. It just isn't. You know, we have two main political parties in this country, and only one of them wants to make voting very difficult and Mm -hmm. wants to have as few people as possible vote. And I think one statistic in this movie that I had not heard before was, you know, talking about the founding fathers and uh, the Constitution um, in, you know, that at the at the onset of our country, uh, when voting was established, you know, you had to be. Uh, you know, a white landowning male uh, to be able to vote, uh, which whenever Scott and I watched this and they said that, we looked at each other and we're like, hey, <laughs> we we are newly in. Um, but uh, but yeah, in that that part I knew, but what they also did was they gave a number to go with that. And they said that at that time, that applied to 6% of the population. Mm. 6% of people in the United States were allowed to vote legally through that restriction. So this is also one of those things where we all say, well, this is not who what America is, but it's like, yeah, it actually is. And we have to address that it's what America is so we can change it. Um, because, you know, it was set up to be restrictive uh, from, from day one. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so we just kind of have to call that out for what it is and set off dismantling it and um, updating it. And, and of course that has happened over the years um, but we had the massive step backward, um, you know, back what, seven years ago when the Supreme Court gutted um, a key part of the Voting Rights Act, which is talked about at great length here. And, uh, and then it sort of it really outlines all the ways that various sort of bad faith red states immediately set off, <laughs> kind of proving uh, SCOTUS wrong um, in the sense that SCOTUS was like, oh, well, yeah, you just don't need this anymore, um, you know, because they're like, oh, <laughs> wonderful, Mr. Burns' hands, um, and, uh, and off they went. And here we are today. <laughs> yes, which brings us to the present. The movie kind of takes you through the vehicle of Stacey Abrams and her uh, run to gubernatorial run in Georgia. And I, th- I thought that was a really interesting way of like, you know, anchoring the movie in something that's happening now, uh, taking you, you know, back to the uh, American historical uh, kind of versions we've gone through and, and continual fights. And I think the movie starts off with, you know, a, 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 a snippet of a professor talking about how, you know, history isn't a straight line and things kind of move, move back and forth uh, a lot. But but then it, it, it when we're able to discuss the changes made within the last um, last half of the uh, 20th century and the 21st century, they become really re- revelant, relevant and intersect with Abrams' campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this is, I mean, the movie is, I, you know, part of me wants to call it a love letter to Stacey Abrams, but I don't want to suggest that it's like a, 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 a hagiography of her. Um, you know, it, she is just naturally an extremely charismatic, appealing person. Um, and so to watch her is to fall in love with her. Uh, she was on Andy Cohen's talk show on Bravo recently, and um, and he was hitting her with all these you know political questions about voter suppression, and then just on a dime was like, um, we have a viewer question here. Want to know who was your least favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer character? And without missing a beat, she was like, uh, some of the alternates in season seven were pretty weak. They didn't really add anything to it. Uh, <laughs> she's like, that could have just been time. That could have gone to Spike instead, but you know it was wasted. And, <laughs> and I was like, God bless you. God bless you. You magical woman. You're incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, so we have to, unfortunately, though, with, through this movie, we have to relive um, the absolutely appalling experience that she had um, sort of being openly victimized by voter suppression by fuckface Brian Kemp uh, in her gubernatorial run in Georgia, um, you know, uh, during which her opponent, Brian Kemp, was quite literally overseeing the election from his role that he was uh, filling at the time of the election 
and um, and just you know just purging the voter rolls of of many 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 voters and it's, it's it, the, the tactics the rule book here is 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 time honored you know it's been the same rule book from day one and what this movie does that I think is similar to what Thirteenth does is it creates a timeline that really brings you um, it helps you see the arc of how this played out from the beginning of our country's history on to through the present day. Mm-hmm. And it sort of, and it, and it, you know, it helps rebuke this idea that things are better. Um, you know, it helps rebuke this idea that like, oh, well, no, like we live in a post-racial world or, right. or, you know, like, or this is no longer an issue. There are protections. We have the civil rights era. Um, you know, the, the, it's that, that quote that you referenced about the, the, the gentleman who said, you know, like these things aren't a straight line. I think that, you know, that's a reality that we're all having to settle into um, more and more every day. Um, and, you know, maybe perhaps letting go of the MLK quote about, you know, the arc of the moral universe is long, but events toward justice. Um, that still might be true, but um, that's if you're doing like a macro, macro, macro view, it looks like it's bending toward justice. So when you zoom in a little bit more, it's, it jerks all the fuck over the place um, and lots of stops and starts and lots of, reversals on progress and in that and that appears to be what we're seeing now certainly with the supreme court so i mean this is another very sobering documentary but it is by no means um you know in spite of how angering it is it's very engaging it's very fleet-footed again Stacey abrams is just so endlessly charismatic and fascinating mm-hmm. um and she is is just you, you couldn't feel in better hands listening to her explain uh, these subjects uh, so, you know, I, I think this is, you know, possibly, you know, the definitive documentary on voter suppression, um, that we have available to us. Um, did it remind you at all of, uh, of Trapped, of the Don Porter documentary? Uh, it did a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a, has a similar kind of one foot in unapologetically showing you harsh realities, but also one foot in, uh, in hope that I, I think mm. is kind of similar to Trapped. Yeah. I think that maybe another part of, of what makes this movie hopeful is that, uh, like, in contrast to those about uh, the prison system or police brutality, there is, this one has a little bit more of a tangible uh, way to respond. I think mm-hmm. that, uh, that and it's stated in the movie, the point of a lot of these, uh, like, laws and rules is to, you know, make intri- voters disinterested in voting. Uh, these right. are the way things are. It's not for me. If I vote, doesn't matter. Um, are all intentional to, uh, you know, keep people from wanting to vote. And watching something like this and seeing how, in, again, intentional these things are to silence certain people, can motivate people to get their voice out and can motivate mm-hmm. people to register and and vote and help people, uh, other people register to vote and vote. And that makes this movie you feel i think with like a little bit you can leave it with a little bit more of like i can do something to change this Mm. um Mm. even if it's i can you know change how i think about it myself which is that you know it is important uh to make the time to do the research even if you're someone who i'm already voting um you know am i doing enough research about uh local um local things that are on the ballot Um, down ballot down ballot exactly Mm. um so i felt i felt a little bit more um hopeful at the end of this i think than some of the others yeah yeah it's definitely a movie that's not just a purely historic academic perspective on this like it's very much an activist movie that is meant to raise awareness and it's being released of course at a very strategic time and place um it is available on amazon prime video uh so any person who has a prime membership uh can watch this and uh and i and i would encourage you to do to uh to do so it's directed by liz garbus and lisa cortez all but one of our five films this week is female directed. And you'll mm. never guess which one isn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, this is getting a binge it for me. Uh, it is also getting a binge it for me. Uh, as Jason mentioned, it's available on uh, Amazon Prime Video and it's rated PG-13 for some disturbing violent images, thematic material, and strong language. That brings us to movie number two, which is The Trial of the Chicago 7. In 1967, seven people were charged by the federal government with conspiracy and more, arising from the protests at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago. We're, uh, we're kind of getting out of the gate here with, uh, with three very activist-focused films. 
before segueing into a fourth film, which has sparked its own sort of activism, um, <laughs> which we'll get to, which we'll get to later. Uh, so yeah, so this is uh, written by Aaron Sorkin, who also directs. This is our our male directed film this week, <laughs> as as evidenced by its roughly three lines of dialogue spoken by women. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, all of it, they're all about sex. Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah, that, that's true. The uh, like the, the few female characters here are very are very sexualized. Although at no point do we ever have the 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 Sorkin trademark of a man saying, you know, shut up, lady, I have an idea. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, so the, the general consensus seems to be with this one that the Sorkin-y elements of it actually work um, better than they've worked in some of his other 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 subjects some of his other films and TV shows, because since this film is entirely located sort of at the nexus of politics and activism, um, that's kind of where Sorkin's strengths really shine the brightest and part of what made his last directorial effort, his debut, Molly's Game, a bit uneven. Um, I actually read one female critic today for Vulture, Alison Wilmore, said that the lack of female characters here was a blessing <laughs> because, <laughs> he, because he couldn't mangle them. Mm. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a glass half full way of looking at it. It's both <laughs> a glass half full and a half empty way of looking at it. Um, this is another film that, uh, you know, is, is timed, I think, you know, I would say strategically with what's happening in the country. Um, and probably in ways that, that Sorkin couldn't even have foreseen when he was working on the script, because it's only been in the last few months that we've had this sort of major ramp up of, of the sort of nonsense, bogus Antifa stuff um, being hurled from the right and being, you know, these all this strained false equivalence uh, that they keep trying to establish between quote unquote Antifa and the very, very real, very deadly uh, right wing violence that we see again, 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 again. Uh, so, and that certainly comes to bear in this movie, which is about the very, very ridiculous circus style trial of, uh, of a series of men from different factions of the left that are all, uh, you know, stand accused of, uh, causing riots during the Democratic National Convention in Chicago in 1968. Um, and it's, it's a lot more comedic than you might think, given the stuff that we just gave it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen plays Abby Hoffman, um, I think, providing a majority of the comic relief in this movie. Yeah. yeah. As well it, as um, Secession star. Oh, Jeremy Strong. Yes, Jeremy Strong playing uh, Jerry Rubin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, yeah, and, of I, course, Eddie Redmayne's accent. <laughs> and Eddie Redmayne doing his damnedest uh, as Tom Hayden. But uh, yeah, it really seems like very meta casting to have Sasha Baron Cohen playing Abby Hoffman and, in, in, you know, but meta in a way that works out. Like it's very, it's very good casting to have mm-hmm. Cohen playing that role. Um, clearly he feels a connection um, to Abby Hoffman and, um, you know, and just with his own approach and like sort of the, you know, Cohen's comedy has almost always had that kind of larger sort of cultural political provocation to it. Um, similarly to what Abby Hoffman was doing with the yippies. Definitely. I feel like this is another movie where it fits into the the curriculum of right of film that we've, uh, movies we've been watching uh, since quarantine, a little bit before. Um, I, in May, I had seen a, a PBS special on the Black Panthers. Um, mm. And there's a movie coming out. I believe it'll be, I think they're holding it until after we can go back to theaters, the Fred Hampton movie. Keith Stanfield's going to be in it, um, mm. a Googler movie. Um, but they had talked uh, about this trial and about um, just the absolute disgusting, gross uh, removal of basic American rights um, and the, the circus that it was in the way that it handled um, the, the leader of the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um I can't think of his name. Yeah, Bobby and Bobby Seal. Thank you, Bobby Seal. What did you What did you think about that that part of the film? Well, that was fascinating for sure, and um, and I have seen several people point out that sort of one of the most shocking moments in the film, if you're not familiar with the particulars of this trial, which I was not, um, is uh, there's an exchange. So basically, Bobby Seal was was 
they were all being railroaded, but Bobby Steele was being particularly railroaded because he literally had nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, you know, everyone else that was sort of arraigned, um, they were more or less interconnected. Of course, there were different groups. There was SDS, there's the Yippies, um, there's David Dellinger, who's just a pacifist. Um, but they were all more or less organizing together. Bobby Seale, of course, was not organizing with them. He was working with the Panthers, which he founded. And uh, and he had this this incredibly animus relationship with the judge, uh, who's played by Frank Langella, who just mm. doesn't pull, and, and pulls no punches with his despicability. Um, and because uh, essentially Bobby Seale had no representation, he had no lawyer. His lawyer was was unavailable due to a medical uh, uh, situation. And Bobby Seale uh, repeatedly tried to to help the judge understand that he had no representation. And the judge just literally didn't believe him, just would not listen. He's like, yes, you do. There's a lawyer right there. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that's not that's not my lawyer. And he's like, yeah, you have representation. He's right there. And um, so, yeah, there's a scene, you know, things just kind of keep popping off between Bobby Seale and this piece of shit judge. Um, and, you know, and it kind of culminates in a moment where uh, the judge in, uh, calls Robbie Seale to be bound and gagged. Um, by the um, police in the court, and he is. And it is absolutely shocking to see, but in this film, it only lasts for a few minutes, Mm -hmm. when in actuality, it was, I believe, three days. I think it was, yeah, three days or almost a week. It's it's unconscionable. It's unconscionable. Um, So, yeah, so Sorkin actually, um, you know, play that down a little bit. Um, probably because, you know, he, from, from what I was reading, uh, about all the different things that happened that he didn't include, like it would have had to have been a 10 hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, this was such a fucking insane circus of a trial. Um, and so I think he probably just, he knew he needed to include that. And so, but he decided to just for the sake of the narrative, you know, he didn't want to, uh, you know, turn into a bigger thing, but yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's worth knowing that this judge literally had Bobby seal gagged in court physically for days Mm -hmm. um and bobby seal should not have been there in the first place so you know this movie is really um on top of being um you know making great use of the sorkin um you know verbal fireworks um and getting great performances across the board this movie is just so incredibly relevant uh in in today's world um sort of as a, a condemnation of the way that the right attempts to create this monolithic radical left to mm. demonize and just throws all these different pieces, just disparate parts that don't go together, just chuck them all together and be like, that's the radical left. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it was, it was another blood boiling movie in that sense, for sure. After watching all in. And it definitely, um, again, like opposed to all in, this is a movie that, where the source of the oppression and the manipulation and or complete disregard for with the basic rules we think we're supposed to follow, which is what's, you know, so frustrating when you think about the police brutality, uh, the, the discrepancy in the levels of power and the complete lack of freedom you have to fight back or do anything or get justice. This movie is all that, but in, you know, a dramatized form and mm-hmm. it is, so frustrating and so scary and um it's so hard to watch it's also yeah. super inspiring yeah. um and for the most part uh not ridiculous until yeah. you get to the last <laughs> two minutes which are fabricated uh and uh which when you i didn't know that it was fabricated and then when i was doing my research about what really happened uh it was like oh yeah no that that he he didn't do that um and it's like oh god damn it sorkin (laughs) because like i was only willing to abide that final bit because i was like oh wow like what a powerful thing for him to have done um and then when you find out it's sorkin you're like okay well that just makes it cheesy (laughs) i take it all back that's just cheesy (laughs) it's uh, so cheesy uh i mean i feel like it was it was acted cheesily um enough even to get if you thought it was real um and then it's just unforgivable if it was completely manifested for the movie right which it was uh, what a shame yeah so you know eddie redmaines and empty chairs and empty tables mode and he, he does what he can <laughs> but you know i guess you know i guess sorkin felt he needed to end it somehow so he was like what better way to end it than 
uh, with the way that I think it should have ended. Um, I think one of the reviews I was reading of this mentioned that um, Sorkin was, you know, speaking about this movie at some film festival, and somebody asked him like how he would write the end of the Trump administration, and uh, and he was like, I would have it that you know he loses the election and he refuses to leave the office, and then finally all the Republicans come to him and say, you need to leave. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, Sarkin. That's, yeah, that's no one's surprised that that's how you think it should go. <laughs> <laughs> and they walk and talk to Air Force One. <laughs> exactly. But uh, it's anyway. just so cartoonish the end of this. Like, the judge gets all frustrated and like stands yeah. around order, and bangs his gavel. It ends like some weird, like, I don't know, high school. We, we made the principal so upset moment. <laughs> <laughs> Little scamps. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, we also, we didn't, we didn't even mention that we have the, the increasingly hard to find in a movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, mm. in, in this film, who, who truly has persevered and emerged as cinema's only true permatwink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. like, Leo DiCaprio didn't still look that young when he was JGL's age. Uh, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt will truly never look older than like 16 uh, for like yeah. all of his days. And he's, he, he's, he's done growing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is just what he looks like. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a remarkable thing. And, you know, and it's interesting seeing him play, uh, you know, kind of a guy you don't root for. Joe, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has always played likable. So to see him playing, um, you know, even though he's the lawyer on the prosecution who is, you know, we see his, he's sort of conflicted by this kind of railroading that he's been asked to do on behalf of the U.S. government. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's nice seeing him actually risk being unlikable on screen because, I mean, he's never unlikable. So, mm. um, so it was an uh, interesting, interesting choice for him. Um, but all in all, I, I think I'm still going to give this a binge it. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. give, giving this a binge it. And it's available on Netflix. And it's rated R for drug use, bloody images, language throughout, and some violence. Movie number three is The Glorias. The story of Gloria Steinem from her childhood in 1940s Ohio to her leading role in the women's liberation movement. Jason, uh, when we touched in about today's show, uh, you said, did you see all the movies? And I said, we'll get there. <laughs> and... <laughs> Did you know okay. that this was the one I didn't finish out of protest? This is the one I was hoping uh, it was going to be. I was worried it was oh, going yeah? to be the next one, um, but I was hoping it was going to be this one. Oh, yeah, it was. This one. Good. I couldn't. <laughs> Good. Good. Did this I miss movie anything? is bullshit. This Thank movie is bullshit. You. <laughs> what this the fuck? Movie, you know how hard it is for me to speak ill of a Julian Moore movie. Did you even get, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, she's in there from the beginning here and there. So I was going to say, did you even see her? Um, Barely. But Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm just going to come out with it. Julie Taymor is a terrible film director. She just is. She always has been. Apparently, in, in the stage world, you know, she created mm-hmm. The Lion King, and everyone loves that. And so I think that her, her, sense, of, her sense of, like, whimsical theatrics um, and, like, just extreme expressionism uh, really succeeds better um, in, a, in a, a live stage experience than in a narrative film. Um, I, I mean, I've never, I, her move, first movie was Titus with Anthony Hopkins yeah, and like Jessica Lange. Yeah, that one I liked. That was like the closest I've come to enjoying one. And then I fucking hated Across the Universe. Mm. Um, I hated, well, then she made Frida. Frida and Titus are the two things she's done that were like the closest to like, that, 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 it was pretty good. Um, they're, they're like surreal and also kind of play-like. Right, right, exactly. And they had great performances to anchor mm. them. Um, but then aside from that, I hate across the universe. I hated her tempest so much. Mm. Um, and, um, and now we have this piece of shit. Uh, this is wow. I mean, I don't, I, okay. I'll also say, I don't know if I would have felt differently about this movie had it not been for having just watched Mrs. America, uh, the FX, Mm -hmm. uh, limited series starring Rose Byrne as Gloria Steinem. Um, and very much overlapping with the entire sort of 70s portion of this movie, um, in, in which Kate Blanchett played Fli- uh, Phyllis Schlafly, who was, you know, the conservative opponent of the ERA. Mm-hmm. So, 
um, and in which we had Margot Martindale playing Bella Abzug instead of Bette Midler and Niecy Nash playing Flo Kennedy instead of Lorraine Toussaint. And, you know, so we had just a lot of uh, a lot of overlap of characters. And in general, you know, not to knock the performances in, in the Glorias, but Mrs. America just did it better. It was more focused. It was more impactful. Uh, it was more enlightening. Uh, everything about it was better done. Um, and it also did not go out of its way to paint Gloria as this like intersectional saint, um, mm. the way that this movie does. Um, you know, it really, really, truly like, it, you know, it, it, it spends so much screen time just showing her, you know, lifting up um, and amplifying the voices of women of color in, 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 in the scenes that she was operating in, which, of course, in and of itself is a wonderful thing. But it felt like it was saying, like, look at all the good this white lady is doing um, and just making, you know, reducing the women of color in the movie to sort of props to signal the virtue of Gloria Steinem and her, um, you know, sort of inclusion back before inclusivity was a thing people talked about as much. I think that's uh, pretty close to what made me turn it off um, very early in the movie. When they show her uh, on a train in India, yeah, and yeah. she's like trying to buy chai, and then these women stand up for her because the chai dealer is trying to, you know, sell it to her for more expensive price, and it's just like, it is the most unbelievable bullshit. Bullshit. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Also, it was the use of like color and black and white was just. I mean, yeah. especially for Tamar, I felt like that was so poorly done it looked like some weird instagram filter where you make some things color and some things black and white like we're so far past that she's done more than that in in film that mm-hmm. look better and are less tacky i this was just i couldn't life yeah. was too short for this mess <laughs> i have never felt that more yeah. thoroughly in my bones yeah yeah it was it's just such a bummer um, you know, because like there's there's probably not going to be another real movie about Gloria Steinem for I have to imagine a while after this sort of one two punch of the Glorias and Mrs. America both coming out this year. Um, and, you know, in, in Mrs. America, she's very much just one piece of a very large ensemble of women on on different sides of the issue. And in this one, you know, we have no fewer than four actresses playing her. Um, you know, two uh, child actors and then Alicia Vikander playing her in her younger days. And then Julianne Moore sort of unceremoniously taking over for like, you know, the Gloria that we know and love um, from the 70s onward. You also what you did miss out on was them putting Julianne into old age drag to to play mm-hmm. present day Gloria um, at the end of the film, which was something <laughs> really? not since the not since the end of the hours um, have we <laughs> seen have we seen Julianne done up in this aggressive of old age makeup. Um, but, you know, in her, her mimicry of Gloria uh, and her understanding of Gloria's essence are are great. They're spot on. Um, but the movie around it is just it's just pointless. It's dribble. And it just feels like, you know, it, it turns out Julia, Julie Tamor, her mother is like was pals with Gloria Steinem while Julie was growing up. Um, and I think that's what the movie feels like to me. It feels like the sort of out of work, um, out of work kind of white feminist nonsense or out of mm-hmm. touch rather out of touch white feminist nonsense and yeah and just the way that she just tokenizes all the women of color the way in the end i don't know you probably didn't see in the end they have them all like it draws a kind of a direct line to the current moment and it shows like a bunch of people wearing pussy hats and a bust of the women's march um and then the camera you know sort of like uh, pans back and there's the real gloria sitting in the front of the bus um and it just it just feels like yeah it just feel you could feel Julie Tamor in it to a fault um, you know her other films have been so huge and mythic um, and this one is clearly much more personal for her but unfortunately that worked out to its detriment um, this is just this is a garbage movie I can't recommend anything about it it's a total send it back for me a hundred percent send it back and frankly I think we've spent too much time on it already um, yes it's available on Prime. If you want to do it, do it. Next movie is Cuties. A talented 11-year-old girl joins a hip-hop dance troupe. Wow, we really just <laughs> really trimming the fat on these uh, <laughs> descriptions. This girl, she's 11. She joins a little hip-hop dance troupe. 
end of <laughs> yeah, you must and, have heard nothing else yeah. about it. <laughs> and clearly you can understand why it's been so controversial uh, based on <laughs> based on that description. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. came out a boy. minute ago, Jason. <clears throat> um, yeah, <laughs> it did. It did. This movie, this movie played, uh, it played at Sundance this year. Uh, it actually, this and the movie we're viewing after this, both won directing prizes. This one directing for um, World Cinema. And the next one we're going to do did one uh, directing for the U.S. Dramatic Competition. Um, and uh, yeah, and this was this is a movie that, by all rights, no one should have ever heard of, um, because it's a very very small French language film um, that you know the Netflix bought in all of their sort of like just aggressive purchasing of like every single fucking Sundance Prize winner this year. Um, and leaving only the Glorias for, for Amazon Prime to pick up, and that was not, they did not win on that one. Um, but what Netflix got on their hands with this one is also something they definitely didn't imagine, <laughs> uh, which is one of the most just perfect storm American stupidity backlashes that I can remember happening around a movie. Uh, that that has almost certainly not been watched by nearly 99% of people with very strong opinions about it. Um, as, I mean, the uh, controversy yeah, was kind of kicked off by the poster, right? Yeah, yeah, that 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 seemed to be what started. It. And I did see as re- when I was reading up on this, you know, they they compared the original French poster um, to what Netflix did to it, where and you know Netflix. And their infinite marketing wisdom made it look like an ad for a new season of Dance Moms, um, uh, you know, showing, you know, four prepubescent girls wearing little, you know, two-piece dancer outfits, you know, little booty shorts and, and you know, little, you know, sports bra tops or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, and just staying there, just like posing and sticking their hips out and being sassy. And, you know, so, and I certainly, like looking at that myself, I didn't think it was provocative and that's probably because i did watch dance moms for every single episode for the entire run (laughs) and you know and dance moms has definitely been on my mind uh while considering this controversy um because you know that was another show that there were times when i was watching that show where i was like boy oh boy like this is you know like this is this is definitely could be incendiary for um you know for the for the pedophilically minded um, but, uh, but no one ever really said that about dance moms, um, possibly because it had this giant screaming monster woman at the center of it, Abby Lee Miller, who, uh, who sucked all the air out of the room and, and who was the subject of all this public scourge about the show. Um, but, uh, but in this film, um, arguably because it, um, has un- had the, the grave misfortune of being released in the time of QAnon, mm-hmm. um, this film has sort of dovetailed with, the, you know, the the rise of QAnon to become this lightning rod, this very unlikely lightning rod about, you know, this the sexualization of children. Um, and, you know, the punchline, of course, is that this movie 100% agrees. <laughs> right, right. 100%, almost to a fault. Like, by the end of this movie, I'm just like, this movie is actually incredibly conservative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like it is, you know, in, in interviews, uh, the, the director, uh, who is French Senegalese, uh, her name is Maimouna Ducore. And, um, and she very much based the film, uh, on her own experiences as a little girl who was uh, born in, in Senegal and then, uh, immigrated to France with her, with her family, um, and was living in sort of a poor part of Paris, just like this character, Amy or Ami, uh, in, in, in this film. Um, you know, and she's, she's done interviews where she's been like, you know, people always ask, you know, me about my culture, uh, and people, you know, and women being covered up and in more conservative nations. But, you know, she's with that. I say, you know, you look at the West and look at the ways that, that women's bodies are exploited and, and, and sexualized and, and these, these, these expectations that are put on young girls growing up, um, for this, you know, how you are, have to look and behave to be considered, um, worthy of being visible. And she's like, can you tell me that's not also oppressive to women? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like she fully agrees, um, you know, with this, this wildly wrong headed QAnon fueled nonsense, bullshit firestorm that's erupted around this movie. A hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Um, 
you know, clearly this movie is a target because it is, uh, it is French. It, uh, the director is, um, is a woman of color. The main, the main character is a woman of color. It is, you know, quote unquote, um, artsy elitist. Um, and the fact that you have this, uh, world where you have dance moms go completely, um, unquestioned and Mm -hmm. you have this, uh, being the hit of just, bullshit idiocy and uh it's just it's 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 textbook it is complete textbook american xenophobia and uh like inability to see our our own issues there tell me you cannot open up any app and find this same content um right i mean how could i don't even i don't even know i don't even know how to how to be upset about this (laughs) except in all of the ways in all the ways. I mean, it, it, it perfectly embodies um, sort of American ignorance in the sense that all the people who are angry about it literally haven't seen it. So <laughs> you have just just tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands allegedly, you know, like they are touting their figures of like, oh, we, you know, Netflix has had nine million accounts canceled because of this dirty child sex movie. And boy, oh boy, um, it, yeah, like you're saying, textbook, just a perfect crystallization of American ignorance at work, um, this reaction to this movie. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've, I've seen at least one person who I would consider myself friendly with from high school po- ranting about on Facebook. Um, wow. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me, um, you know, and in reading interviews with this director, with Ducore, you know, she she talks about how, you know, she spent so much time talking to girls that were this age. Um, and, you know, in what she has done here, she really has boldly translated to screen what really is happening for mm-hmm. girls this age in the Western world. And, you know, and she she's like, believe me, there's a lot that I kept back. Like there are things that I she's like, there's dances that are far worse that I didn't include. And there's so much that I could have done, but like I had to be true to the experience because she's like, at the end of the day, I do, you know, like ch- the childhood needs to be protected. And, you know, the little girls growing up today are not being able to have a childhood and they should. Um, and, you know, which is, it couldn't be more in agreement with what its opponents are saying. Um, but, you know, they are not willing to hear that because they are too busy giving her death threats because this director has gotten death threats because of this movie. Oh, uh, it, okay. And, you know, and I think it's, it's, a, it's also, in addition to everyone's sort of like current QAnon fueled insanity around like anything, you know, child sexualization, um, you know, the, you know, child sex slavery, all the rest of it. You know, I think there's also just an extreme discomfort or, and there's always been extreme discomfort in America around female sexuality um, in general. Um, and I think certainly when you combine that, when you combine like a sort of a, a portrayal of any sort of like budding female sexual um, awareness with, you know, and the characters in this film are young, you know, they are 11, they are prepubescent. Um, you know, there, there were, I'm not going to say there's no shots in this movie that didn't make me go like, oh, wow, yikes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like some of the, there's, you know, the final, the dance finale in particular is, mm-hmm. uh, is, is very like shocking. Um, and you know, there's some other bits along the way, but at no point is there nudity at no point is there sex. And, uh, she was saying that, you know, this is, this is sort of like, um, that these little girls in real life, she was trying to see it through their eyes, through their POV, through their gaze. And so, and she's like, and these girls, like they are, tr- they are truly too young to understand what all of this signifies. Mm-hmm. Like, so to them, 100%. this is just a th- this is the thing that you do to like get likes on social media and to get followers um, and to get that affirmation that, you know, that, that dopamine hit that we're all looking for. Um, so she's like, so this is, you know, so for her, for her mind through her lens as a filmmaker, she's like, I was looking at as them. So, and as them, they don't see this as being dirty at all um, because they don't understand it because they they're fucking 11. It. Um, and, and I think so, that and, point comes across really clear when there's a scene where one of the girls finds like a used condom in the park yeah. and proceeds to, you know, like use it as a balloon and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and some, when the other girls realize what it is, they're all grossed out. Um, mm. she's embarrassed. They like clean her mouth out with soap. 
but they're at this line where, um, you know, especially the main character is having severe family issues at home. She mm-hmm. also cannot talk about uh, these issues of uh, sex, sex and sexuality with her family. Um, she's seeing it on social media. They're trying to replicate it. There's no one to explain how these things come together. And that is, I think, what what needs to be addressed, where this, this movie it should be fine. If you're going to be some queer and on weirdo, then go home and make sure your kids understand sex and sexuality. Don't. I don't give death threats to this. Uh, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as a yeah. movie, Jason. Yeah, as a movie, I was just going to say, um, putting aside the controversy, what did we actually think of this as a movie? Uh, I don't think it was anything special. I thought it was weird that she didn't like face any consequences for all this shit she did. She, yeah, like, things, things get out of hand. <laughs> things, get, things get a little out of hand. <laughs> Granted. <laughs> She like floods the house. Uh, she breaks her mom's phone. Like she does all these like things in addition to like some other pretty gnarly things, and like nothing ever happens. I that was a mm-hmm. really weird thing in the movie for me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, that that was very strange. I mean, you know, the, the the bones of this movie are so similar to a million other movies mm-hmm. with this exact same kind of storyline of like our audience surrogate falls in with some sort of like, you know, new click um, and then, you know, is seduced into it and then gets into deep um, and, you know, it starts doing things that are dangerous. And, you know, it's like the, 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 you know, the DNA of the movie couldn't be more familiar. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that's the other, you know, punchline of this whole controversy around <laughs> cuties is that it's all over a fairly mediocre movie. Um, you know, that, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, it's beautifully, um, filmed and the performances are, uh, you know, are, are, are mm. fantastic. And this, this little girl in particular who plays Ami, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a stunning performance. All, all those old girls make inimitable impressions in this movie. Um, and you know, so I guess ultimately my, my gripe is only really with the writing and the writing is just, it's really derivative. It's just really super familiar. You feel like you've seen this story told so many times before, and this doesn't do anything differently with it. It just plugs in sort of, you know, different identities and different signifiers in a different setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, granted, that's what all most movies do. Um, but this one in particular didn't really, like, blow my hair back um, with what it did with this very familiar formula. You know, I, know I love always that. love that expression. I, I love know, that. I know. I threw it out there for you. Thank you. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, was, that was my take on it. To me, it's a, to me, it's a consume. Yeah, it's a it's a consume for me as well. And um, if you think this is where people are going to get their um, child yeah. porn, yeah. Uh, <laughs> added to thing. the number of things. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm just like, yeah. Do you really think this is what <laughs> you think that people who are seeking out like child porn are like sitting through a hundred minute French art film <laughs> um, for like two minutes of of little girls dancing? I don't know. Like that, I, I don't think that's how it works. Like that's not how the internet works, guys. Right. Uh, like but... maybe if it's like a drop dead gorgeous situation and you're used to like <laughs> taking a video camera to <laughs> cheerleading just practice. Here, just here to film the young girls. Uh, <laughs> you guys have a camera. No one's accusing you of anything. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. But yeah. So in short, don't be a moron about this movie. Um, yes. you know, if you're going to be up in arms about it, at least watch it so you can see that it actually agrees with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can feel foolish. Um, but, uh, but otherwise, if you're outside of that, uh, that, that, that maelstrom of controversy, then yeah, it's just, it's just a consume. It's just a consume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's available on Netflix and it's rated TVMA for language, some violence and some sexually provocative content involving children. Our last movie of the week is the 40 year old version a down-on-her-luck playwright thinks the only way she can salvage her voice as an artist is to become a rapper at 40. Let's just get this out of the way. This is my pick of the week. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it is. I don't know if I have a clear pick of the week this uh-huh. week. Um, but I, I, <laughs> You can't I... be cuties. That's also the thing. It <laughs> no. movie also can't be your pick of the week. It can't be my pick of the week. I get that. I get that. Um, but no, by all means, continue. 40-year-old version is um, uh, the story of uh, Rada Blank. Is it Rada Blank? Mm-hmm. Um, and you said this one at Sundance for a, a Best Director Award? 
Yeah, yeah. She also, yeah, she wrote and directed, and she won the directing prize in the U.S. Dramatic Competition, which is not to say it's a drama. That's just what they use for basically like narrative films. The, it's the dramatic competition. This movie is her coming to grips with losing her mother, uh, turning 40, and having previously been a, a very successful playwright in that she was celebrated as 30 under 30 <laughs> and hasn't done much since. And uh, her best friend is her agent, which the friction in this movie is their relationship and how best to move her career forward while she's also kind of like struggling with this uh, emotional hurdles of, of mortality and aging and wants to try her hand at being a rapper. <laughs> Who amongst us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and not even that she, you know, wants to become a rapper. It, you know, she just sort of turns to it, uh, you know, and it's something that she, you know, we see that she, when she was younger, she, she you know, did have a lot of fun with, uh, with, with, with playing with rap. And, you know, she does, she does have a sort of a skilled flow. Um, but, you know, she has just been blocked by the gatekeepers of, of theater in New York. Um, and, you know, sort of because the gatekeepers in inevitably are moneyed white people who have their own ideas around how blackness should be portrayed on stage. And um, and so, yeah, we see her go on this trajectory where she's sort of writing this increasingly bastardized piece of work just to have it <laughs> produced by this gatekeeper, by this wealthy white man. Um, and then on the side, developing this entire she's moonlighting as this rapper, um, despite, yeah, <laughs> despite, you know, her her age and despite... Um, what her life has been thus far, and despite her day job as, you know, like a public school teacher teaching drama um, to a delightful class of kids. <laughs> real treat. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this this movie, I will say, my, the only thing that I can say about it that I would say maybe slightly critical is that I do feel like it runs out of steam um, um, around midway through. Uh, this movie is over two hours long. It mm. does not need to be that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen people sort of being defensive about it. Like, well, Judd Apatow gets to make movies that are over two hours long all the time. So, you know, it's fair game for her to take up that much space too, to which I say, well, yes, but no one likes it when he does that either. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, I, I do feel like this could have been an insanely good, tight, like 85-minute comedy. Um, instead, it's 124 minutes, which is just gratuitous um and i don't mm. think it has enough it doesn't really r- maintain its grip on the audience for the entire runtime but 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 overall I, I i do love it it's so old sundance it's so old mm. sundance in that it's black and white mm-hmm. um you know also like a love story to new york um and also what this movie does with color and black and white as mm. opposed to gloria's <laughs> would be like me sitting down at a piano versus like Alicia Keys sitting down at a piano. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure which one of those is meant to be better because we all know you are a classically trained <laughs> pianist. <laughs> uh, I'm, I don't play piano and I am the Glorias. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. Thank you for, for walking me through it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it is, yeah, it's shot on 35 millimeter in black and white, you know, it, it, it you know, we're telling the story of, uh, of a woman of color in a major urban setting. And, you know, and that's just some of the things that early Sundance, Sundance of the late eighties, early nineties, just really was, it reminded me of like just another girl in the IRT. Like it really takes you back to the golden age of Sundance before it became, you know, all, you know, as saturated and commercialized by sort of big studios, um, as it became and, and remains. Um, so it really does feel like a throwback to that. And Rada Blank is just a, tre- <laughs> a, just a, just a treasure, just an absolute treasure. Like, you know, watching this movie, you're just like, Oh my God, where have you been all my life? Mm. You are, you are so funny and you're so self deprecating and you're so smart. Um, you know, she's just incredible. My mind just keeps going back to like just little stray fragments of her raps. Like, you know, my knees <laughs> writing check, my knees writing checks that my back can't cash. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> How about a white man with a, with a black woman ass? Yes! <laughs> that was so good! <laughs> this, this is, I, I laughed out loud uh, oh. a handful of times in this movie that I was not expecting to. Mm-hmm. I, oh my God, she's so funny. I, I cannot wait to see her do more things. Um, yeah. I do. I, do uh, I would say that as someone who this is my pick of the week and I did love this movie, the discomfort that I had, the criticism would be 
I definitely felt that it was, you know, there's this kind of invisible limit of number of times you can have conflict before you stop caring about conflict, right? <laughs> like, how many times can you get in a fight with the, with the boy? How many times can you uh, self-sabotage uh, until, like, I stop caring and I'm like... Yeah. just And I feel like this, I would say, was just enough. Um, one more I would have been like... In, it just did need maybe a little bit of editing of some of those kind of back and forth. So the arguments she has with um, her best friend, the fights with the love interest. It could have just been maybe mm-hmm. one less back and forth. Right. I think on those would have been, uh, yeah. wouldn't have taken anything away from the movie. The, and the, that's the Apatow. And that's the Apatow mm-hmm. of it. You know, like exactly. because Apatow movies are never too long in the fun parts. They're too long in the tedious, dramatic conflict parts. And so this movie, almost like it's like her exile in Guyville response to Jed Apatow. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it literally is too long and tedious and repetitive in the exact same ways that his movies are. Mm-hmm. Speaking of this podcast, um, <laughs> the movie is the outside of the conflict, the, the sort of internal struggle, her trying to. Uh, be an artist with an authentic voice, not being able to make that happen in theater, but but working towards making that happen with rapping, and then the in the center having to balance kind of maybe who she really is with this group of students who you know kind of see right through her her bullshit. Um, <laughs> that's a really beautiful tension, and the way you know the rap that she makes is about her career as a playwright. There's this. Uh, the, the the song Poverty Porn is uh-huh. <laughs> Chef's Kiss A plus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just <laughs> delightful. <laughs> and you know, in terms of the cringe factor, uh, there there's definitely some some cringe humor here. Uh, oh my god! One 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 attempted performance in particular that just goes wildly off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> so watching it play out is is just yeah, I mean. Ugh. It's so, it's so, I literally, it's one of those things where I'm just like, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. Oh, yeah. Um, Sol and I both like immediately picked up our phones. That's like the new thing, right? You pick up your phone to like give you some distance from the moment. And then yeah. she got up and, and went to the bedroom and I was like, it's over. And she came back. Uh, it's so hard because you, you're already so invested. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's just so hard to watch. And then <laughs> it had been going well. <laughs> the other cringe part of the movie was kind of the rehearsals for her for her play as you start to see what her play has become through the edits and the yeah. feedback um it's hilarious and it's also so hard to watch yeah yeah no it really is uh it really is so you know i this is this is this is still a binge it for me like if it had been if it had been tightened up it probably could have been like a best of year contender mm. um but it's still it's still a binge it you know what here's the thing when I when I look back at the way I spent my time with these movies, and I said I stopped watching the Glorias, but uh, was okay taking that little extra time with this one, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like I made the right decision, and I'm still going to say it's a binge it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's available on Netflix, and it's rated R for some drug use, brief nudity, sexual content, and pervasive language. And that's it. That's it. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Binge. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Jason, you're on Twitter? I am. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at excessfaggage. And also, if you're still listening, vote. Please vote. Um, I'm at Fight Balance. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There goes the binge. binge.